Um, so the, the, the name of the message is the commandment of Jesus, and, and we'll just pray. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the power in this message isn't me or my ability to speak. Lord, that the power in this message is you. It's your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit moves as it wills, and it wills to go into the deep places of our hearts and in our lives and to just heal us and work life in us. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the Holy Spirit will paint a picture of you in this place that, that helps people, that shines like a light, and people can see you clearly. Glory to God. Yeah, so I called it the commandment of Jesus um, to kind of ruffle the feathers and then uproot it. Um, and I, I, I started kind of talking about this in Tulsa with the message that's called the perfection of the Father. I think it's called that, the perfection of the Father. And every time I preach, I end up losing my mind, which means I don't know what I'm saying, I don't know where I'm at, and I don't know what's coming out of me. But I wanted to add this in at the end of that message, but I didn't. I've been twisting on it a lot lately. The commandment of Jesus, we could really just call it the, the Father's commandment, right? Um, and I'll... I'll title the Bible study in there, The Father is the Commandment, really. And, and, and that's really what, what I would want to say, that the Father is the Commandment. But we started talking about the perfection of the Father in Tulsa, and so I'm going to build on that. And that's really the doctrine of Jesus. The doctrine of Jesus is that the Father is perfect. The doctrine of Jesus is that the Father is perfect. And so He come into the earth, to display the perfection of the Father towards you. Not the Father is perfect in the sense that He'll never do a bad thing like we think of. Yeah, He'll never do a bad thing against your life ever. He can't. It's impossible. But the perfection of the Father towards you, that He is perfect in His love for you. He is perfect in His desire to serve you with life, right? That's what Jesus came to teach. That's why He came into the earth. He came to put on display the perfection of the Father because he knows if we could see the perfection of the Father, it's going to call forth heaven in us, which is what God desires to do. He desires for it to be in you as it is in heaven. He desires for you to be experiencing a sinless life while you're walking in a world that even has corruption all around you. And a sinless life is not talking about your behavior is perfect all the time. A sinless life is that God desires you to experience a life that can't be corrupted by all the things that are wrong around it. That's what he wants for you. He wants to call forth heaven inside of you. So you're walking around in earth as it is in heaven. Like John would come and say, as Jesus is now in heaven, possessing a sinless life, a life that already overcame all of this stuff, as Jesus is now, so are you in this world. And so that's what Jesus and the Father and the Spirit desired for everybody. They desired for them to be able to walk in this earth, but experience the life that's in heaven. And the life that's in heaven is a life that can't be stolen from. It's a life that can't be added to. It's a life that's so much that its cup runneth over, right? That's why the psalmist would come and say, my cup runneth over. And so I wanted to follow up everything I said about the, the Sermon on the Mount which if you don't know, that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. Jesus teaching the perfection of the Father to serve us with life as a gift. That's what he's teaching, right? And so I wanted to add this at the end, the commandment of Jesus. And so what is the commandment of Jesus? What is the commandment that the Father gave Jesus? Abide in him. 
That's right. What him? What part of him? And how do we get that right? How do we abide in him? What does abide in him look like? Because there's a lot of different thoughts about all that. And if I'm being honest, I think the, the, the church, churchianity, uh, the Christian church, we, we kind of fancy ourselves experts in the commandments, in the commandment of God, right? I mean, we busy ourselves going around telling everybody what they need to do, don't we? We're experts in what everybody needs to do, right? And we say, God has commanded us, right? And we don't just, it's not, it's not, only, that, it's not only that we're not doing what we're telling other people we should do. We're not even able to carry the heavy yoke. It's, we're, we're also putting them under a heavy yoke of things that they can't do and also things that the Father never commanded them to do. And also things that the Father didn't command Jesus to do. And so I pose these questions so you get caught up in these thoughts with yourself. What is the Father's commandment? What is the commandment that the Father gave Jesus? And if most of us are being honest, we tend to think of something Jesus must come and perform. And some of the things we might say about that, like we might say, well, the Father told Jesus he had to come to the earth and he had to die. That's the Father's commandment that he gave to Jesus. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I would tear somebody's house down or huff and puff and blow their little house down if they wanted to add that as part of it. But that's not exactly right, because Jesus said that he lays his own life down of his own free will, that no one takes his life from him, right? And so you might say that Jesus came to do something, and as an aspect of what he did, he decided to lay his life down. But that's not the commandment that the Father gave him, right? That's not what the thing is all about. And so what is the commandment of the Father? And what is it all about? Is it actually about God commanding us to do something? Is it that God commanded Jesus, you need to go down there, Jesus, and you need to show everybody the right way to live. You need to go down there and you need to love everyone perfectly. And you have to make sure you're always filled with peace. And you must be certain that you never become offended with anyone. They're going to come and nail you to a tree, but you better not be offended. You have to be perfectly happy all the time. Even when you don't have a place to lay your head. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it with a funny voice, right? So we can see how silly it is. But that's honestly what people believe. <laughs> right? But can that be the Father's commandment? I mean, those are all carnal things that you perform. Right? But the Father isn't carnal. And so can we really describe the Father's commandment as if it's about performing carnal ordinances? Is that how we can describe it? Is that really accurate? Is that description going to really, is it, 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 I promise you, it just won't do. It, it just won't capture what, it, what it's all about. So we're going to read from John chapter 12, um, beginning with verse 44. And we're going to pick it up from there. And this is Jesus. Jesus cried. That doesn't mean with tears. It means he spoke loudly, right? Um, and said, he spoke up as one with boldness and authority. He that believes on me believes not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me sees him that sent me. 
I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. All right, so just to give you guys a little hint as we're following along, Jesus is describing the Father's commandment, right? So we think you believe on Jesus. Jesus says, well, if you believe on what you see coming out of me, you're not really believing on me. You're actually believing on the one who sent me. The one who sent me is the Father. So if what you see coming out of me is causing you to believe on me, if what you see coming out of me is causing you to be persuaded that I love your life, if what you see coming out of me causes you to believe that I'm with you to be your friend, that I'm with you as your advocate, that I'm with you to defend your name against the accusation, if what you see coming out of me causes you to believe in my goodness towards you you're not really believing on me you're believing on the one who sent me because if you see me you don't see me you see the one who sent me i am come a light into the world well what's the light that's in the world yeah a light shines but what does the light shine to do the light that jesus is in the world is that he revealed the truth about god And what it means that he revealed the truth about God is he revealed God as Father. He revealed God as being as he ought to be as the one that will care for your life. He revealed God to be as he ought to be as the one that will serve you with life, as the one that can only ever be good to you. He revealed God to be as he ought to be. Because as that one one song said, I can't even remember what song it says, but you know, sin and death boasted against God. And do you know how it boasted against God? There's sin and death in this earth. It's even written into our insurance policies, an act of God. Well, how many of you want to be with the God who is sending hurricanes to your house? How many of you think that guy qualifies as someone that will protect your house? None of us. None of us think he qualifies now. All of us think that this guy is not as he ought to be as God. So sin and death is in the earth, and it ain't in the earth because of God. It's Adam that brought sin and death into the earth. And then sin and death manifested in the earth, and it began boasting against the name of God. It began declaring that God is not perfect towards you. He is not as he ought to be as father. He is not as he ought to be as the one who cares for your life. He is not as he ought to be as the one that will serve your life. He ain't as he ought to be. That's what it means to stand in darkness. Sin and death entered the world, and darkness came over the world. We couldn't comprehend God's perfection towards us. We saw all the things that sin brought forth in the earth, all the death that manifested in the earth because of one man, Adam's sin. And what we did was, is we saw those things as giving a testimony about what's in God's heart towards us. We saw those things as a testimony about who and what God is and whether or not he can be the God that we need. Because we need a God that doesn't have the ability to do harm to us. We don't even want to be around people that we think will harm us. How much more are we not going to want to be around a God that we're busy thinking is responsible for the death and the harm that comes to our lives? It's not possible. And so how many people do you see Jesus hurting? How much calamity do you see Jesus bringing forth when he comes into the earth? How many people do you see him hurting? How many people do you see him making blind, making sick? How many people do you see him destroying their house? How many people do you see Jesus doing that? Zero. That's how he was a light. He shined a light on the truth about God. He caused us to be able to see the truth about God when sin and death were boasting against God. 
And we see the perfect example of this go down at the cross, right? The sin and death that's in the earth accuses God. And do you know who he accuses God to? Us. And do you know what it wants us to do? Do you know what it wants to tell us? You can't trust this guy with your life. He is not perfect. He will not only ever be good to you. He is not thinking of your best interest. He is only thinking of himself and what he can get out of you. He is holding back from you. He was allowing all these horrible things to happen to you. Where is he if he is father? Where is he if he is perfect towards your life? Where is he? And this is the whole thing that went down at the cross. And sin and death was at the cross. And it come upon this man, Jesus. And what was it doing? It was accusing God. It was accusing the Father. It was trying to paint an image of the Father that was marred, that was corrupted, that was shifted into an ugly picture. It tried to paint a picture of a God that's far from us in the midst of our sin and death. A God that abandons us when we sin. A God that doesn't want anything to do with us unless we're perfect towards Him. That was the image. Jesus is a man that's cursed. Cursed is the man that hangs on a tree. And we saw the curse that came upon Jesus in the sin and death in the world. Do you know what it came over and said? Yeah, look at that guy. It's because of God. If God really is perfect, if he really is father like you said, Jesus, like you were here telling us, like you were here demonstrating to us, where's your God now? Where is he if he's perfect? Right? What we don't understand is that Jesus came of his own free will to demonstrate the Father. But the only way he could demonstrate the perfection of the Father to us is if he first entered into the place where we all were. Where were we? Dwelling in sin and death. Darkness all around us. All of us have lived through hell. All of us have lived through hell. Unspeakable hell, probably. All of us. And the only way we could see the perfection of the Father towards us, that this hell that came upon us wasn't at the hands of the Father, that it wasn't a sign that He wasn't with us, that it wasn't a sign that He abandoned us, the only way we could see that was the truth. The only way we could see the truth about Him there with us to serve us with life, having conquered the death that's in the world in Jesus, is if Jesus entered into our hell. And there we see Him in our hell. And there we see Jesus, and we see sin and death saying, God is not as He ought to be. He doesn't care about you. Look at it. He can't be the father you need. He can't be the God you need. He can't give you the life you need. And not, not only can he not give it to you, he don't want to. Well, we see all those accusations leveled at the cross, right? It's like the serpent was making his case against God. Because the serpent accused God to Eve in the beginning. And it's the same thing the serpent told her. God is not as he ought to be. He is not the one that can be the father that you need. He is holding back from you. So many of us think our own fathers aren't the father that we need because they made mistakes and we got hurt. That's the tact of the serpent. He came to Eve to tell her that. Well, there the serpent is. It's like a court of law, if you want to look at it that way. And the serpent is called Hasatan in Hebrew, which means accuser prosecuting attorney. Do you know who the serpent was prosecuting? We only focus on the part about the serpent prosecuting man, but the serpent was prosecuting God. And he was prosecuting God to all of us, the great congregation. And he was trying to tell the great congregation that you can't trust this guy with your life. He is not perfect towards you. You need to trust in your own perfection. You need to trust in your ability to be perfect, to have life, right? That was the accusation. 
So the serpent, he's prosecuting the attorney. He makes this case. It's a compelling case, isn't it? I mean, look at Jesus. Yeah, it looks like God ain't there. Where is God? Where is God? Where is the Father? I mean, it's hard to dispute it. I mean, even the disciples have run away and have hid. And so the serpent feels real good about himself. He's like, I presented some great evidence. These people are never going to believe God's with them. They're never going to believe God is the father that they need. They're never going to believe that he is perfect towards them. They're never going to see his perfection. He rests his case. And then the Holy Spirit stands up, which is wonderful counselor. And so if you want to say wonderful counselor, just for the sake of this uh, example, you could say wonderful counselor in the sense of uh, attorney defending the the father against the accusations. And do you know how wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit defended the father against the serpent's accusation against Jesus? The Holy Spirit stood up inside of Jesus and brought him out of the grave. And he didn't just bring him out of the grave in a body that could die again or that could be subject to sin and death again, but he brought Jesus out of the grave clothed in a glorified immortal body that could never taste weakness or death or old age or fatigue ever again. And so the Holy Spirit's like, well, I see all your evidence, right? But you forgot to tell all the people that you're the one that brought the death to Jesus, not God. And so let me show you what God has in his hand to give. Let me show you the perfection of the Father towards someone that's dead in their sins. Because you just painted God, the Father, in the image as if he's the thief that steals, kills, and destroys. But God, the Father, is actually the Good Samaritan. And so the Holy Spirit represented the truth about God because he pulled Jesus up out of the grave, clothed in glorified immortal flesh. Behold, the perfection of the Father towards your life. Right? That's the case that's being made there at the cross. That's how Jesus is a light, right? He shines a light on the truth about the Father. And so I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. There he is talking about the commandment. Let's read that again. For I have not spoken of myself, but of the Father which sent me. Who was he just talking about in the beginning where we picked up in verse 44? The Father. He said, if you believe on me, you haven't believed on me. You believed on the Father. If, if you see me, you haven't seen me. You've seen the Father. And so Jesus comes. I didn't come to reveal to you myself, but I came to reveal to you the Father. The Father has sent me. He hath given me a commandment. The commandment he gave me was to reveal you. Him to you. The commandment the Father gave Jesus was to make him manifest in the earth so that we could see him clearly, so that we could see his love for us clearly, so that we could see that he could only ever be good to us. That's the commandment that Jesus received 
from the Father. So he goes on to say, And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. And so Jesus is telling us he came into the earth on behalf of the Father. That's why he came into the earth. The whole point wasn't that you see him. The point was you see the Father. The whole point wasn't that you believe on him. The whole point was that you believe on the Father. So he didn't come to speak of himself. He came to speak of the Father. So everything we see manifested in Jesus is trying to tell us something about the Father. It's trying to paint a picture of the Father. It's trying to bring the Father out of the shadows of the sin and death that's in this world so you can see the Father clearly. And I don't just mean like you see him standing over there. The way you see someone, the way you actually get to know someone is you see how they will be with you. You see how they behave towards you. And I don't mean how they behave towards you when you're good. I mean, you, you really want to test the thing? How are you going to behave towards me when I am not behaving good? Because I can find anyone to be good to me when I'm good. Even a man will be good to me when I'm good. But I need someone that's going to be good to me when I'm full of weakness. I need someone to be good to me when I'm not being good myself. I need someone that even should I be evil towards them, they're not going to return that with evil, but they're going to return to me good for the evil I gave them. I need someone that when I smack them across one side of the cheek, they turn and give me the other one. I need someone that when I strip them naked, they run to get a cloak for me that they have in their house. That's what I need. And so that's the commandment that Jesus says the Father gave him to make him known to the world. That's the commandment. Make me known to the world. Let us manifest ourselves in the earth, that the people might see us, that just as you know of my love for you, the people might see my love for them is the same as my love for you. That when the people can see me come and care for your life, when I raise you up out of the grave, and they see that that's not just me caring for your life, but that's me caring for their life inside of you. When they could see me manifesting myself, overcoming death in the flesh, swaddling you from the blood and the death that's in the world with my life, when they can see me do that to you, they can see the thought that I've taken to care for their lives. That will cause them to know me as Father, and they'll begin living in this world knowing that I am the one true God. As Jeremiah would come and say, I know God, through the prophet Jeremiah says, I know the thoughts and tents that I have for you, saith the Lord. What are the thoughts? Thoughts of peace. To give you a certainty of a good end. Or long life. Or prosperity in the heart. And so God knew the thoughts that he had for us, but we were dwelling in darkness because the sin and the death in the world was accusing God all day long. And so we thought he wasn't as he ought to be his father. We couldn't see that he had taken thought to give our lives the care it need. And so Jesus comes into the earth to show us the thought the father has taken to care for our lives, that we might know the love in his heart and we might walk all our days in this earth in his perfection towards us instead of trying to walk in our perfection towards him right? Psalm 40, talking about the commandment that the Father gave Jesus. I'm going to paraphrase because it's a long thing, and I don't need to read through all the verses. You can go read through the verses yourself if you like, but Psalm 40 is speaking about the commandment the Father gave Jesus, and Jesus says, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, O God. I delight to do your will. 
Your law or commandment is in my heart. But I'm not going to hide your law or your commandment in my heart. I'm going to declare it in the midst of the great congregation. And do you know what he says the commandment is? Do you know what he says was written in the volume of the book about him coming? Do you know what it says that it is? That I'm going to stand up out of the miry clay. You're going to stand me up out of the miry clay. You're going to pick me up out of the grave. And if I could speak of all your wonderful works towards mankind, I suppose the time would never pass because I would have so many good things to say. I will stand in the midst of the earth and I will declare righteousness, not their righteousness towards you, God, but I will declare your righteousness and your salvation and your faithfulness towards them that's the commandment jesus saw the father is faithful not that he is faithful jesus saw the father is righteous not he is righteous jesus saw the father could only ever be good to man even should he find them in sin and death jesus saw the father as harmless as a dove jesus saw the father doesn't possess the ability to do harm that the father could only ever be good jesus saw the father is perfect the father is set apart unto being good to us jesus saw there's so much goodness in the father's heart for us that that goodness will even chase us down even should it find us in hell this is what Jesus saw in the scriptures, the perfection of the Father. That's the law that he has in his heart. The law is the Father. And not just the Father, it's the revelation of the Father's heart. That is the law. That is the commandment. If you keep reading the Gospel of John, you know the entire Gospel of John begins with Jesus coming to make the Father known. In the beginning was the Word. The Word about what? The word about God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Oh, and by the way, the word was God. <laughs> that word that created everything, that which everything that exists finds its existence, that everything that breathes got their breath because God breathed breath into us. That word was made flesh. And it said, no one had seen the father, but the son. He is in his bosom. He has come to declare him. This is chapter one of the same book where Jesus goes on to say, the father sent me not to speak of myself, but he sent me to speak of what? Him. He is the commandment that he gave me to reveal. So I didn't come, when we think of a commandment, we think of someone ordering us to do something. But that's not what the commandment was talking about. The commandment was talking about issuing a decree about somebody or declaring a word about someone's person or about someone's character or about someone's heart so that you could know them by having seen into the depth of their heart. Right? If you keep reading in John's gospel, it's all through John's gospel. And what I want to say, you could pull a lot of things out of John's gospel. The whole point of John's gospel is the revelation of the Father. That's the whole point. Everything is about that. Jesus revealing the Father. If you keep reading in John's gospel, Jesus says to the Father in John 17, this is, listen to what he says. I have glorified you on the earth. I have revealed the truth about you on the earth. How did he do that? Well, the people in the earth thought when someone was blind that you were the one that made them blind. But I came upon them and I healed their blindness. 
The people in the earth thought that you were the one that condemned people to death when you found them in sin. But when I came upon people that were in death, I clothed them. I sent away their sentence of death. I sent away the accusation that stood against their life. I stood next to them as their friend. When no one would stand next to them and the world was there waiting to cannibalize them, I come and stood next to them and said, there with me. Now what? That's how he glorified God. So Jesus, I've glorified you on the earth. Listen to what he goes on to say. I have finished the work you gave me to do. So what was the work that the Father gave the Son to do? Show me. Let's do show and tell. Remember show and tell in like kindergarten? Everybody grabs the thing they love, the cool thing, and they want to bring it to show everybody. I mean, it's like, who's going to bring the coolest thing? The Father sent Jesus for like a show and tell because Jesus saw the Father. And Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in Him. You could even say the Son is the Father, the Father is the Son. And so in Jesus coming into the earth, it is the same as the Father standing up into the earth and having show and tell. What do you see? And so Jesus says, I've manifested. He says, I've glorified you on the earth. I'm reading from the verse. John 17, 4. I have finished the work you gave me to do I have manifested your name in the earth. That's the commandment the Father gave Jesus. Manifest my name in the earth. Let us make me known to our people. Because sin and death has been accusing us to our people. And so they're dwelling in darkness. They can't see us for who we actually are. You, ever, you know gossip? You hate gossip? Remember being in high school, people would gossip about you all the time, and they would say things about you that weren't true? That darkened your image to people around you. And the people around you couldn't know you for what you'd actually done or who you actually were because their knowledge of you was based on these things you were accused of doing. Well, that's how it was with the Father. Sin and death was gossiping about the Father. And so we, did, we didn't know him according to who he was. We were knowing him according to the gossip. Like Job would come and say, listen, man, I never really knew you. I only heard about you. The, the, the passages in John 12 that we just read through, Jesus says that he knows the Father's commandment is life everlasting. That the result of the Father's commandment will be life everlasting. That in me coming and revealing the Father to the world, that will call forth life everlasting in the earth and in all those who hear or see the Father in me. Right? So Jesus says, I know the Father's commandment is life everlasting. Well, if you read in John 17, what does Jesus say about life everlasting? He says, this is life everlasting, that you know the one true God. So if the commandment is life, under, life everlasting, and life everlasting is found in knowing the one true God, then that means the commandment is the revelation of the one true God. That's the commandment. Do you know what you need in your life? We think we need so many things. I mean, I could run down a long list of things I think I need right now. 
right? And it's not that it wouldn't be nice if some of those things happen. But all you really need is a revelation of the Father, a revelation of God as revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. That's really all you need. Do you know why that's all you need? That will call forth life everlasting inside of you. And I don't just mean some eternal destination for you. I don't mean like one day you'll go up into heaven or be a pie in the sky. What I mean is that that will bring forth a peace and a love and a joy in you right now. That will comfort you right now in the midst of whatever is afflicting you. And I promise you, the only reason why you can even think that you need anything is because you feel afflicted. If you don't feel afflicted, you don't think you need nothing. It's like when you're not hungry, you don't think you need to eat. If you ain't thirsty, you ain't trying to go get a drink. It's like my one little dog, man. She doesn't even know when she's thirsty. God bless her. She's so sweet. She'd be sitting over there, hot, dehydrated, suffering, not knowing there's a, there's a cup of water right over there. Just go drink it. She needs a revelation of the water. <laughs> so she could take a drink and no longer be thirsty. Right? That's the cup of salvation. It's the Father himself. You drink of the Father himself. That's the commandment of Jesus. And when you, I promise you, when you take a drink of the Father himself, you will find your cup running over. Glory to God. So John begins his gospel by telling us, Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. Jesus knows the Father. He says, no one has seen the Father but the Son. The Son is come to declare the Father to the world. And so the Father sees Jesus as Him, and He is in Jesus. And so the Father says to the Son, Go and make me known to the world. Go and reveal me to the world. Make me known to the world so they can see the care or the thought that I've given to care for their lives, to give their lives the care they need. Show them I am there with them to swaddle them and clothe them. Show them my goodness. Let them see the goodness I feel in my heart towards them, that I can overcome the deadness in their bodies, that I can overcome the deadness that's in this world. Show them that I can give them a life that will pamper them with peace and love and joy and kindness. Show them who I am. And that's what we see the whole ministry of Jesus is about. Revealing the perfection of the Father. I mean, how do you think Jesus didn't try and come down off the cross? What do you think put Jesus to rest on the cross? I mean, he cried out to the Father, didn't he? Abba. And do you know what comforted Jesus? Do you know what gave him peace? Do you know what filled him with joy? It says there was a joy in him. Hebrews come and said, for the joy set before him. So we know he felt joy even on the cross. Do you know what he was revealing to us? The Father is as they ought to be, as the one that will pamper us with peace and love and joy. Here I am needing peace and love and joy. Here I am needing comfort. Here I am being afflicted. Here I am. Here I am in the place of needing life, just like all of you are in the place of needing life. And where did he look? He looked to the Father, and he was comforted. Mm. The Father sent Jesus into the earth with a precept. I say precept because precept sounds a little bit different than the word commandment. Precept sounds more like a declaration of something instead of an order. 
And so G the Father sent Jesus into the earth with the precept, and the precept he sent Jesus into the earth with is the Father himself. That's what he did. Right? You guys following all that? You following me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. There's that word commanded. Light? You better do what I tell you. You better come forth. <laughs> Sounds silly, doesn't it? For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That doesn't, he didn't go and order the light to shine out of darkness. Paul says, the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful thing. I, he, it's interesting Paul uses the word commanded there in the context of what he says there. right? Because he doesn't just say that God commanded light to come forth out of Genesis. In Genesis, he uses that example to describe the same thing in us. He says, just as God called forth light out of the midst of the darkness, he hath called forth life inside of us. He commanded light inside of our hearts. He commanded light to shine in our hearts. And do you know how he says he commanded light to shine in our hearts? It wasn't that he came and ordered us to produce light. He didn't come and order us to walk in the light. It says that he commanded or called forth light in the midst of our hearts by showing us himself in the face of Jesus Christ. He called forth light in us by showing us himself. And we could say he commanded light. But how did he command it? Not by telling us to do it, not by going and finding the light and saying, light, you need to be a good little boy and you need to manifest. No, he manifested himself. And light was. That's the same thing that happened in Genesis. He is the light. He is life. And what he did when he says, let there be light, is he manifested himself is what he did. In the midst of the darkness, he poured himself out. He emptied himself, his word and his spirit, and that manifested him. It manifested the light that he is. That's the commandment of God, the revelation of himself. That you might know the one true God. And do you know what happens when you know the one true God? You begin to live your life in this world walking in his perfection towards you instead of you living in this world trying to walk in your own perfection. Jesus says to the Father in John 17, 1, Glorify me that I may glorify you. Glorify me that I may glorify you. He goes on to say this is life eternal that they might know you, the one true God. And so what is Jesus saying there? Jesus sees the Father. He knows him. And so because Jesus sees the Father, it's life everlasting inside of him. And what he's saying is, I know you can only ever be good to me. I know the sin and death in this world has nothing to do with you. I know you don't make people blind. I know you don't make people sick. I know you haven't brought forth the destruction in this earth. When the sin and death in this world comes to accuse you to me, I know that it's just gossip. I know the people saying that and the things saying that don't know you. I know you, I know your love for me, and that has called forth life in me. And Jesus says, listen, glorify me. And what can happen is, if the world can see and know your love for them, 
is the same as I know your love for me, if they can know your love for them like I know your love for me, that will do something inside of them because I see you're the one that cares about me. I see you've taken thought to care for my life. I know the thoughts and intents that you have towards me. And what's that done, what that's done inside of me is it's caused me to call upon your name. It's caused me to call you Father. And the moment I called you Father, what happened is, is heaven and earth collided inside of me and heaven exploded inside of this dust body. And if they can know you the way I know you, something is going to happen. They're also going to call upon your name and heaven is going to be called forth inside of them and heaven will collide with their dust bodies. And they'll no longer be but dust, but they'll be of a heavenly substance. Sonship. That's what he said, glorify me that I may glorify you. How was Jesus talking about glorifying him? Raise me up out of the grave. And what he's saying is, when you raise me up out of the grave, that will be the fulfillment of the commandment because that will reveal you as everlasting father. Raise me up out of the grave. When you raise me up from the world, sin and death. He didn't have his own sin and death. Whose sin and death did he have? Ours. So we're supposed to see ourselves there. And so Jesus says, when you raise me up from their sin and death, clothed in your life, it will paint your image in the earth and it will make you known to the world. When they can see you caring for their lives in me, that will be the fulfillment of the commandment. That will make you manifest, Father. The resurrection is a light. And do you know what the light is? It's the manifestation of the Father. It's the manifestation that He's the Father that we need. It's the manifestation that He is as He ought to be as the one who cares for our life. That He is as He ought to be as our shield, as our buckler, as our exceedingly great reward. He is as He ought to be as the one that can bring forth life in us and the fruit of His life in us. We see He is as He ought to be because look at Jesus. You've seen Jesus raised from the dead. You've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus raised from the dead, you've seen the heart of the Father towards you. And you hadn't just seen that he desires to serve you with life. You see that he's mighty God. You see that he can do it. Right? What did Abraham say? What shall you give me, Lord, seeing I have no heir? You see, Abraham, it wasn't just enough to know that God wanted to do it. He needed to know that God was able to do it. How are you going to make me exceedingly fruitful? Look at the deadness in my body. Look at the deadness in Sarah's womb. The only way I can call you God, the only way I can see that you're the father that I need is if I can see that you can do something to cause this death to pass over me and you can heal my life from the deadness I see. That's the only way I can know it. That's the only way I can be persuaded. Well, we know that God revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. And we see a real quick shift after that for Abraham. Abraham begins to say, God will provide himself a lamb. God can even raise the dead. You see how it changes? This guy is the father that I need. Why is he the father that I need? Well, I got death in this body. I got death all around me. I need someone that can swallow this death up. This guy can swallow the death up. Jesus revealed God can swallow death in the resurrection. You got a problem with the things you see in your life that are crooked? You got a problem with the things you see in your life that are corrupt? You got a problem with feeling afflicted, with feeling fear, with fear and torment, with feeling lack? You got a problem with all that? Well, this God possesses the ability to swallow all that up. The resurrection is the evidence. Behold, everlasting Father. 
That's what Jesus came to show us. But the only way he could show us everlasting father is if he went to the cross. And the only way he could go to the cross and not try to preserve his own life if he saw that the father was as he ought to be, as father. If he saw that the father is perfect towards me. He saw it. He came to show us what he saw. Do you see what I see? <laughs> uh, that's why Jesus is a light. John 15, 10. And we're going to finish this up here. Thank you for your patience. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandment, Again, we get all the way there, and we think we read our own definition of commandment in there. If we keep his orders, if we do all the things he tells us to do, if we pray every night, if we give 10% at church, if we do everything perfectly, then that's, if you keep my commandment. Well, what was his commandment? The Father is his commandment. You shall abide in my love, even as kept my Father's commandment, and abide in his love. Guys, the commandment of Jesus is the revelation of the Father. So how do you keep that kind of a commandment? Right? Because that kind of like tilts our view. Because normally, well, if you keep a commandment, that means it told you to do something and now you're going to do it. But if the commandment is the revelation of the Father, how do you keep that? And so the way you keep the commandment of Jesus is you just believe what was revealed in Him about the Father's goodness towards you. You just believe that the Father doth work to serve you with life, that the Father is not asking you to work to produce life, but that the Father does a work to serve you with life. That's how you keep the commandment. The way you keep the commandment of Jesus is you abide in the image He revealed in the earth of the Father. And so it, it's like me. I'm keeping the commandment of Jesus right now, this whole message. Do you know why? Because this whole time I'm speaking of the perfection of the Father. And that's how you keep the commandment. You believe that the Father will be perfect towards your life. That He wants nothing from you, but He wants to give you everything. That's what we see in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. How do we abide in Jesus? Do you know how you abide in Jesus? You walk in this world in the perfection of the Father towards you. You live all your days in this earth believing and beholding the Father's perfection towards you, not your perfection towards the Father. That's how you abide in Jesus. Jesus said, if you believe on me, you don't believe on me, you believe on the Father. So how do you abide in Jesus? Well, if Jesus is the revelation of the Father, the way you abide in Jesus is you believe what he showed you about the Father. That's it. It's that simple. You abide in the image Jesus painted of the Father in the cross and the resurrection. You abide in that. And so you walk. That's what walk means. You walk in this earth knowing the Father is perfect as the one who cares for my life. Right? There's no shadow of turning in the Father. We're talking about abiding in Jesus. Only good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights in heaven, of who there's no variableness. There's no darkness in the Father. You walk in this world abiding in Jesus. What does it look like? Living in this world knowing that the Father is harmless as a dove, knowing that whatever death and corruption you see in this world hasn't come forth from His hand, it's come forth from the hand of the thief. And you see that the Father has drawn near to us to conquer that death that is trying to afflict our lives. You walk in this earth knowing those things that's how you abide in jesus 
Because you abide in Jesus by abiding in his teaching about the Father. Right? It's for your home to be made in the bosom of the Father. You see, God loves me so much. He, he finds so much pleasure in being with me that he's even come to make me his home. And do you know how he even makes a home in you? Do you know how he even makes you his home? He sanctifies his name in your heart. And you want him in there. You want to be one with this guy. Ladies, why do you become one with the man? Why do you say I do, which is to become one flesh with them? It's because their name is sanctified in your heart. And you let them in your heart. And now they're dwelling in your bosom. And you're dwelling, the man's dwelling in your bosom. That's what it means to walk in the commandment. That's what it means to abide in Jesus. You see, the Father delights himself so much in you that he come to make a home in you, right? That his, the place where he found his rest was in you. That home is where his heart is, and you are the home where his heart is. And his name becomes cleansed in your heart. And you, Abba, you call upon his name, and now the two of you become one flesh. Deuteronomy talks about walking in the statutes and judgments of God. Again, statutes and judgments. We read Deuteronomy. That means we must perform all the works of the law. Well, what's the statutes and judgments? You shall have one God, the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods. Now, if we read Deuteronomy closely, we could see God wasn't ordering them to do that. God was telling them what the result would be of them remembering everything he did to lead them out of Egypt. That's why he had them write it on their arm, so it would be for their face. You see, God come and revealed his perfection to them when he provided a lamb that caused death to pass over their house, and when he grabbed them by the hand and led them out of the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt. And when he parted the Red Sea, when they were trapped and Pharaoh was coming to slaughter them, and he parted the Red Sea, and when he poured out manna from heaven, and when he brought forth water out of the rock, and when he gave them a land which they didn't labor to get, when he gave them a land where the houses were already built and the buildings were already made and the vineyards were already planted, God was teaching them about his perfection towards them. And what he says in Deuteronomy is, is if you live your days in this world knowing my perfection towards you, you will no longer look to anything else for life because the perfection you see in me as the one that will give you life as a gift will cause you to call upon my name. That's what it means to walk in the statutes and judgments of God. That's the end of the revelation of the Father. The end of the commandment, that which the commandment comes to produce in you is something where you find your heart calling out, Abba, into your hands I commit my life. That's what it looks like to walk in the statutes and judgments of God because he came and revealed himself to you as father as life giver as the one that cares for you as the one who's taken thought to care for your life and when you see that revealed in the commandment in Jesus Christ it brings something forth in you where you say this guy is perfect towards me Abba you stop looking around at everything else for the comfort in the life you need because you see the perfection in him to serve you with life Abba that's walking in the statutes and judgments of God. It just means for your heart to cry out, Abba, into your hands I commit my life. And he doesn't just tell you to do it. He comes and calls it forth in you. He brings forth the words in you. And the way he brings it forth is he shows you himself. Here I am. And when you see him clearly, it shines like a light, it says, Paul says. It calls forth a light in you. 
where you see the beauty of the Father's perfection towards you in the face of Jesus Christ, and you're left with only one conclusion. Father, into your hands I commit my life. God doesn't demand that you have one God. He comes and shows you his perfection to where you see you don't need nothing else. <laughs> That's how you have one God. You see all of your needs for a God or whatever it is you think you could get from a God. You see all of those things satisfied in what he's done in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you have one God, right? I mean, how many husbands you got? One. You don't need no more. I know, guys, we have a, a history in the world of people thinking they need many wives, but it never went well for them when they had a bunch of wives. <laughs> uh, but that's how it works. He doesn't come and demand that you have one God because he's the initiator. He, if he's father, he produces it in your heart. And the way he does it, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, is he manifests himself, and that calls forth light in your heart. Light means you see he's the father you need. Everything I need is in him. Oh, man. And then the cares of the world melt away. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that it's your good pleasure to show yourself as the lover of our lives. I just thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is in the earth now, that the Holy Spirit is moving to reveal you in the hearts of everyone that you're the lover of their lives. Father, I just thank you that you, you, you're there in the midst of everyone and that you could see what's coming against their life. Lord, and, and the, the scripture says that the Spirit moves as the Spirit wills. And we know that the Spirit moves according to your will. And we know your will is to comfort people. We know that your will is to make people whole. I just thank you, Father, that you're in the midst with everyone now, that whatever affliction is coming against their life, that it pass over them. I thank you, Father, that whatever uh, confusion, whatever fear, that fear has no place in them, that fear be far removed from them in the name of Jesus, in the name of the revelation of your love, Father. I just thank you that fear be far removed, that oppression be far removed. I just thank you, Father, that weakness in the body be far removed. Thank you, Father, that you are the upholder of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the Father. Amen. Glory to God. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. If anybody needs any prayer, I will lay hands on you. And who that?